CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Antoinette Green Olaf is the executive chef and owner of Antoinette's Restaurant in Whitehorse, Yukon. Lover of food and creation from a young age, Antoinette has brought her passion for cooking traditional foods from Trinidad and Tobago to Canada's north. Influenced by her mother and grandmother's love for cooking, Antoinette opened her first restaurant in Manitoba in 2002. It wasn't long until word traveled to Dawson City's Aurora Inn, who asked Antoinette to be their head chef. In 2008, Antoinette moved to Whitehorse and opened Antoinette's. Continuing to cook and serve her love-infused dishes to a community she loves and who loves her right back. Antoinette's has become a center for community building and community members, hosting regular events such as brunches, fundraisers, and many special celebrations for the Whitehorse community. Antoinette's restaurant and dishes have been featured on Food Network's You Gotta Eat Here, in What's Up Yukon, and in 2018, Antoinette's was recognized as Best Restaurant in Whitehorse on Anne Hardy's Where to Eat in Canada list. Antoinette is the 2019 Northern recipient of Startup Canada's Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Welcome to the show, Antoinette. Uh, thank you so much. It's, it's good to be here. 
I am so in love with your story. So I grew up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, which is not obviously as north as Whitehorse, but um, seeing how you've created such a beautiful space for your culture through food to be represented within your community in Whitehorse, it, it's really inspiring for me um, to hear about your story, to re- have re- researched and read more about you. And I'd love for our audience to know a little bit more about your origin story. So how did this love of food begin? How uh, did this come to you? Well, you know, whenever I get asked that question, the origin, I see myself under this huge mango tree as a little girl in Tobago. And that's usually, that was my favorite spot. I would be under that mango tree um, reading recipe books. If I wasn't reading recipe books, I would be following my grandmother, Tantan, around, who was the, the village baker, you know, watching her stoke that outside dirt oven, um, learning how to cook uh, some of the foods that we craved, or, or following my mom, Ruby, around who never cooked the traditional way. In fact, we actually got kind of laughed at um, because Ruby was the kind of person that just stepped outside the box. And, and Ruby's my mom. And uh, I mean, from, from things like eating with a knife and fork instead of a spoon and being made to sit at the dinner table and that, that sort of stuff and eating foods that were not typically curry dishes. um, That's where that all came from. And when you, uh, when you were in uh, Manitoba and growing up and in 2002 decided to take this leap, what inspired you? Well, I'll I'll tell you the honest truth. Um, I grew up in Toronto. And um, I moved to Manitoba in 2001. Um, I I came out as a lesbian woman when I was 40 and went through, uh, uh, I guess you can say, midlife crisis and left corporate life, moved to Manitoba with a a previous partner and opened my very first restaurant then. So that's how the restaurant thing started. I, I decided that I needed to start living my passion. And so in Manitoba, with no knowledge at all as to how to run a restaurant or what to do in a restaurant, just knowing that I was in love with food and that I could no longer do something that I wasn't in love with, I opened my first restaurant June 1st, 2002. Wow. There is so much there that I want to talk about. Your story is absolutely incredible. So thank you for sharing that and being like very honest with us about that origin aspect for your first restaurant. So what was that transition like going from corporate uh, life in Toronto to A, a brand new community and B, a brand new industry and entrepreneurship altogether? What were those first few years like? It was, um, of course, it's always Anything new is exciting, right? It's exciting mm-hmm. because you're you're starting something new. You, um, it's exciting because you really don't know what what you're doing. So the the excitement of learning as you go is good, but it's also very difficult because you don't know what you're doing, and um, the learning curve could be very difficult in terms. I mean, I didn't even know that you had to pre cook bacon. That's how raw I was. I knew that I could cook when I was at home, but um, people had to wait forever for their food. Fortunately, I have this natural talent with putting flavors together. 
And that's what kept people coming. Uh, so the, the learning in the restaurant was difficult. I was now in a small French town and um, I spoke a little bit of French, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still by no means bilingual. I can get by. And so there was that. There was getting used to the, the French community and there was getting used to a new person in my life. And uh, all of those things, the three newness together was proved to be very difficult at times. Absolutely. I feel like change is something that we as humans um, resist and it's one of the toughest things for us to um, accept. And I think for entrepreneurs, that resilience and, and ability to pivot quick and change and and accept like the discomfort that can come with this path is such an important quality. And so I wonder what sorts of things kept you grounded through so much upheaval and so much change? What kept you rooted in who you are and what what you knew you were destined to bring through the restaurant? What kept me grounded? I, 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 um, I have a lot of pride and I have big ego. So, <laughs> which um, is the thing that keeps me going because if I tell you I'm going to do it, I will do it, but I don't want to just do it, man. I want to do it looking good. And I want to go, damn, she is good. And so I've developed this stick to itness. And this is a word, that's not three words. For me, stick to itness is one word. And it doesn't matter how hard it is and how much I cry and how much I think that, oh my gosh, something might tell me you will not be able to do it. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to show you I can do it. So I just dug deep. I dug deep. And there were many times you would see me on the streets or see me in that restaurant smiling. But when I go home at night, I'm crying and shaking my head going, what the hell have I done? But uh, I, just, I, I just wouldn't give up. I just wouldn't give up. Giving up is not an option. It just isn't. <laughs> And where does that come from for you? Because I know for a lot of um, people I've spoken with, that affinity to just sticking with it and belief in oneself can be kind of elusive, like a hard thing to be like, I'm, I'm going to believe in myself today. I've got this. I know I can. But so how is how did you cultivate that in yourself? Where, where did that come from? I have a lot of strong women in my life. My mm. grandmother and my mother, Ruby. This woman, I watched this woman, forgive me. Um, mm. I, I watched this woman reinvent herself almost daily. Mm. She was the only one of 16 children who pulled it together to get a formal education. And she moved to Canada. Uh, my sister and I had to stay behind and the island of Trinidad. Um, we were staying with people that were not good to us. She found out about this in Canada, came down by surprise, saw the situation that we were in, came back to Canada, wrote a letter to Pierre Elliott Trudeau and said, you got to get my girls here, man. One month later, my sister Marva and I were in Canada. That's oh, where wow. I get this from. This woman does not give up. She is a mad tiger, especially when it comes to her children. Wow. And that has 
obviously been inherited and cultivated in you. And wow, what a story. When you think of your mother and her sacrifices and and what she's given to you um, and built for you, what does that make you feel about the legacy you you'd want to leave here um, through your life, through your work? Um, I, I, especially as a, a black woman, um, and I don't want it to, to always make it political, but these things need to be spoken about. I want everyone to know that I am a black woman because most often what we hear in this world now are the negative things. But I need people to know that as bright as the, the other entrepreneurial women in this world are, do you know what? We've got the Black woman, we've got the Indian woman, we've got the First Nations woman, we've got the Asian women. They are all powerful. They're all powerful. They're smart. And quite often, these women who come from places of adversity can show you things that you never will even believe could happen. They can fight through the toughest things because adversity gives you strength and it gives you courage and it makes you keep on keeping on. And my legacy is to help young women, in particularly young women of color, I want them to feel the strength. I want them to look at me and say, if she can do this, I can do this too. That's what I'm hoping that would come through in my life. And as a young Indian woman, I say your mission is complete because this is a privilege to have you on the show with the strength and humility and power that you are here with us today. Um, so I just want to say like mission accomplished and thank you for that. Um, I am humbled. And you're not, thank you. You, a part of your identity is also being a queer woman and being in a small French community in Manitoba and moving at that very pivotal point in your life. Um, there was a lot of things that could be seen as different or other um, from the foods in your restaurant to parts of your identity. How did you build community in a space that some people might think that would have been very difficult to do so? What was that experience life when, like when you were establishing your restaurant and yourself within that community? Um, well, I'll tell you that it was really difficult for me to admit that I was a queer woman, that I am a very proud queer woman, now engaged to a beautiful woman. I will be married on June 13th, 2020. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. That was a, it, it, it was um, a long, hard journey to admit. I'd go in and out, slip in and out, and I would reprimand myself and beat myself up and tell myself that I, I, I was disgusting and horrible to even want a field and do these things. Um, and so I just decided that, first of all, I was too damn old to go back in the closet. I'd already come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, I'm not, nobody is putting me back in there. And I will tell you exactly who I am 
and everything about me before you even ask the question, because there will be nothing that you will tell me that I don't already know, or there'll be nothing that you can go and say to somebody else that I haven't already said. And so wow, being out there and just saying it like it is blatant truth is kind of where I'm at. Hmm. And so back then establishing and, and coming into a brand new community uh, and creating a community for yourself and around you in a new place, how did you go about doing that? And how did you become to be um, a place that was like a community hub that would later learn, turn into Antoinette's um, in Whitehorse, obviously two right. different locations, but. Right, right. I, um, I love people. Kamal, I love people. Um, I think people are beautiful. I like spending time with people. And um, I am blessed with a, uh, an aura that is very approachable. So even in the most difficult times, people feel very comfortable around me. And I think I get that from my mother. Um, so just having that kind of a personality helped me melt in with, with um, the, the, the small town of St. Pierre. I'm also very accepting of people and their quirkiness and their differences. So that helped me. Again, um, in terms of the restaurant, I really liked what I was doing. And my quirky way of serving food and creating food, I was totally getting off on it. For me, it was orgasmic. So I was going to do what I wanted to do anyway. You know? Yes. You know what I'm saying? So eventually yes. people just come around and go, okay, maybe I should try that. <laughs> and when the Aurora Inn in Dawson City reached out, um, it, I mean, you're going from cooking for yourself and your family to starting to cook in a restaurant setting. And like you said, like the bacon experiment happened. Um, but when you're then becoming a head chef uh, in an established space, how did you learn and, and how did you like it must have been like a boot camp? Well, it was boot camp. And I think I went through the four years in Manitoba and St. Pierre Jolie um, was boot camp. I learned a lot. I, I was able to accomplish a lot because that's where the recognition started. And that's how the Aurora thing came about. One of the um, one of my my guests, my my customers was part owner of the Aurora Inn in Dawson City. And she really liked my style and for four years kept trying to get me to um, come and run their restaurant. But, you know, I was still in love with where I was. And uh, eventually. Uh, my concern was, my gosh, what am I going to do? Black lesbian in Dawson City. My life's going to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Life was okay. Mate. Life was okay. <laughs> you made it work. You worked it out. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so going from Dawson City and that experience as head chef to then Whitehorse, what, what led you to head to Whitehorse? Well, um, Dawson City, I will be honest with you and tell you, if I could still be in Dawson City, I would be. Dawson City is an amazing place. It is the first place in my entire life. I'm about to start, turn 63 in June. It is the first place that I felt absolutely comfortable being 
all of who I am, black, woman, lesbian. And the only reason why I left Dawson City, Dawson City is very much a tourist town. I was rich in the summer and then starved in the winter. So I needed Mm. to go someplace where I could have year-round business. And Whitehorse, of course, I feel equally as, as comfortable and wonderful with my life here. And, and that's mm. the reason why I'm in Whitehorse, is that I can have a year-round business. And w- when you describe, or, or when, when I was reading in your bio, um, the community aspect of Antoinette's now, how does that, um, what has that, what does that look like uh, in Whitehorse? What, what do you love about bringing community together in your space? What I love about bringing community together in my space, you know, it's about reciprocity. Um, certainly we're a business and we, we need to make money because I have bills to pay. I have staff to pay and I want to live. Um, and we don't just do things like, for example, it was just 10 years since I've been in Whitehorse (laughs) or in the North, pardon me. And so we did a 10 course meal. Uh, and that went over really well. And wow. To come for that. And the, the food was amazing. You know, we sourced things like kangaroo and, and um, ostrich and, and uh, pintade, which is a uh, African pheasant. And just we had a grand old time. But at the same time, we also did a community barbecue, which was open to the entire community for free. Mm. Um, we're about to start uh, a thing, uh, a salon on Friday afternoons, the, the art of conversation. People aren't being charged for this. Uh, they will come in and, yeah, they can order a drink, but we'll just talk, sit around and talk about stuff. We'll have conversations yeah. about things. Um, I went through a series of break-ins for a while. And uh, young people get bored and they and uh, they do silly things. And it was becoming. It it was a lot. It was a lot over a couple of years. And I had a couple of people, Gary and Christine Lachance, friends in the community, came by and said, we want to do something about this. We're going to start a GoFundMe uh, Mm -hmm. fund for you. They were able to raise $12,000 for a restaurant and so that we could put fixings on the windows to prevent breakings. You should see the beauty of this. And a local artist, Paul Baker, designed these beautiful, intricate, wrought iron um, fixings for the windows that, I mean, they're art pieces now. Um, that's what community is here. I love them. And man, I'll tell you something. That was big love. $12,000 they raised for me to do this. Wow. That is big love. That's massive love. <laughs> but it fa- sounds like not only are you nourishing mm-hmm. um, your community through your food and, and nourishing them with your love, um, but they're, they're really feeling it back with you. And, and I think that's incredibly beautiful and something that I think a lot of brick and mortar 
restaurants and stores and things like this, they try and establish and, and that heart in a place. And what would you offer them as advice for, you know, in their neighborhoods, in their small towns, in their cities, um, to establish themselves as a place that, that people want to come the way they come to Antoinette's? You know, you know, the difference for me, I think the difference for me is when people walk in my door, I want them to feel as if they're coming over to my place to lime. They're coming over to lime. And when you say as a Caribbean person, you're coming over to lime tonight, that's the thing out. Drink some rum, talk crap, and you know, you're just hanging out around the dinner table. And that truly is the atmosphere we have there. It's the music, it's the vibe, it's uh, the, the bright colors on the wall, but it's that welcoming feeling. Don't think money first. Yes, money is important, but it is not the thing that will keep you there. You need to feel people. You need to look at people in the eyes. People, people will walk in that door and actually knock on the kitchen door to come and mm. check out if I'm there, you know? It's it's a very welcoming place, very welcoming. I never, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but you know, I never turn people away if they mm. don't have money to eat. Yeah, I just, and that's not me just trying to big myself up. That's just me being a brother and a sister. You know, that's just me treating you, looking you in the eye and knowing that you and I are the same. We are exactly the same. And where you are today, man, I could be there tomorrow. So I am never going to judge you. Just as I hope you don't judge me. And I think there's literally nothing more valuable for humans than that connection and that belonging and that trust. It is a very oh, yes. beautiful um, energy and space you hold in, in, your, in your restaurant that I think has probably impacted so many people and, mm. and countless more who are going to come through your doors. And I, I count myself as being one of them one day. I promise you I'm going to come to Whitehorse to visit Antoinette's. I can't <laughs> Um, so to, um, so I have a, how stark is the difference between your life now and the space that you've created and your corporate life and experience in Toronto? Oh, girl, (laughs) that's night and day. I was a lost puppy for a long time. I, I have two beautiful children. And um, I struggled with being who I was. And, um, and the time that I came out it was a very difficult time for me. The confusion was too much. I just I didn't know how to fit in. I was trying to get to know this new person, you know, this Antoinette, this lesbian Antoinette. <laughs> and... Um, I, I think I went through a, a, a crisis. I up and left my very good job and just really went through a crisis. Fast forward to where I am today. 
I have the most beautiful person in my life. This woman, Inga Petri, sees me. She sees who... <laughs> she sees my quirks. She sees my idiosyncrasies. She respects them all. And she just loves me. She loves me. She loves me for all my craziness. My son now works with me. And uh, my community, I love my community. I can walk now with my head up. I'm respected in this community. It's a nice feeling, Kamal. It's a really nice feeling. And you, leave, you you provide such a beautiful example to so many others who might be closeted or concerned about their culture and the implications of, of being queer and what that could look like. And also, it's not a small thing to make that transition at that midlife point. And so 40 years a lot of, old, my dear, 40 years oh, old. And a lot of people, when 30. they're at that space, they don't, they don't think they can reinvent themselves or be their true selves. Like they've spent 40 years in the box that they've of their own making. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for folks who are listening, who maybe it's like an entrepreneurial endeavor, maybe it is a opening of their identity. Maybe it is other truth speaking. What advice do you have for them to, to be their true and full selves, even if it is a later point in their lives, even if it feels like everything's on the line. Even if it feels as if everything is on the line, you are on the line. You still, even if you are here only for another week, the joy and that lightheartedness, that weight that you feel yourself when you go to bed at night because you know you are not being your true self, if only just for a week, you can have that reassurance and that smile that you have given yourself the gift of being who you really are. There is no other greater gift than this. That's beautiful. And this year, um, you were named as the 2019 Startup Canada Women, Northern Women Entrepreneur of the Year. How, how did that feel to get that acknowledgement for your work and, and what you've created? To be recognized by others is so big because we all want to be good and do a good job and, and, you know, have others see us. Do you know what it feels like to have people see you and to have them say, we see you, we see how hard you worked and tried, we see your stick to itness. And to have them say, well done, you good and faithful servant. My gosh, I'm preaching. That's, that's a Bible right there. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that the recognition, like the recognition both from spirit, from God, from the universe of a path, like you chose the right path, like you, you're in alignment. Like that is what this is a reflection of. And, and I think that your service goes beyond the confines of, of the restaurant and now gets to be amplified even further across the country. Thank you. 
thank you so much for for saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. So I um, I asked this question of all of our guests. Um, what advice do you have for female entrepreneurs to thrive in their lives and in their careers? Okay. Um, it is, it's a great thing to, to have passion, to be in love with a thing so much that you, you want to start a business and your creativity and, um, all of these, um, niceties are, are met, you know, the, the satisfaction is met. What sometimes can happen with us creative people is that we ignore the business side. And I cannot stress enough the understanding of dealing with Canada Revenue Agency. Cash flow is an important thing. You need to learn to manage your cash flow. Um, starting a business on passion is great, but if you don't have a working capital, it becomes very difficult. The number one reason why businesses go under is because of cash flow. And uh, if you look at the entire year of someone's business, they can look good, you know, but if you don't pay attention to the slow months, those are the months that can, can pull you under. So planning and managing the slow month in your, in your business should be priority. You can always be creative. You'll always be creative. And it won't take as much work. The work comes in when you have to pay attention. I mean, here I am in business for, what, 17 years? And I sell and I, I get money. Last night, we had a very good night. And today I'm thinking, okay, we can do this and we can do that. And I check the bank account and the, the money is not yet in the bank account. So if it had been today that I had to say do payroll uh, taxes and I needed to pay that to, to Canada Revenue, the cash flow is not there for it. Canada Revenue will then charge me for being late. There's interest and then there's penalty and then there becomes compound interest and so on and so forth. I cannot stress enough the managing of cash flow. Very, very important to put that as priority. Absolutely. And I think something that you're right, creative entrepreneurs um, and some entrepreneurs generally um, struggle with the realities of the day to day business and what it means to be an owner operator um, in that standpoint. So thank you for emphasizing that. Something that uh, in terms of your process and um, sourcing, is it a struggle to get, you know, you shared that for your 10 course meal, you had a pheasant that is native to the Caribbean, like when you're bringing in different foods, do you, do you struggle with that being in a Northern community, getting access to the types of foods and things that you you're looking for? Yeah. Um, when I first came to the North, it was more difficult. You would be pleasantly surprised as to 
how diverse it's becoming, both with things on the grocery store on the shelves. But there are still things I have to source outside. Fortunately, my sister in Toronto is really good at um, sending up these spices that I can't find here. And um, there's a, a great uh, international uh, supplier in, in Vancouver that I can get things like kangaroo and, you know, those crazy meats that sometimes I want to play around with. But so I do have to go outside for some things, but we're doing so much better now. Yeah. That's remarkable. And also the creativity that you have to bring even into the sourcing aspect of your business, I think is really fascinating to me. Well, constantly um, reinventing myself, constantly recreating something because of what I can find or what can't, I can't find <laughs> constant. Constant innovation. Um, renaissance so, woman. A, yes, a true renaissance woman. Um <laughs> My last question for you today um, is in, I want to come back to this concept of self-love and confidence. And a lot of our listeners are women specifically um, and are looking to better understand themselves and who they are. And so what advice would you have for them when they're in that exploratory phase and they're trying to dive in and uncover who they are, what they stand for, what can, what are the pillars of confidence for you, um, that feel true, you know, not that like ego, not the ego driven, like hot air, but like that rooted confidence. And you shared about your mother and your origin stories and the powerful women in your family. But if you were to give advice to others, um, how would you suggest they cultivate and find that for themselves? Okay. Excuse me. I think for me, what keeps me grounded is well, I originally started became started to become grounded when when I came out. When I made the decision that I could no longer be who I pretended to be, that I could no longer pretend not to be who I am. Um, I ask myself questions when I do anything. Is this something that Antoinette wants to do? Or is this something that Antoinette is doing because the world wants Antoinette to do this? It's important that when I lay at night, that my headspace says, I was 90% Antoinette today. There's always things that you will do that you're accommodating. And there's nothing wrong with accommodating. But you have to. You have to um, answer to the inside self that says yes or no, or no, you actually like your medium, not medium rare like everybody else says, you know, or you actually like uh, whatever, you actually like red, not, not, not green. You need to listen to the true you. Now, sometimes trying to find the true you can be very cloudy because, again, of all the influences that come in. It's hard work to sit and reflect on and try and go through the 
the muddle, the 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 the, the forest, you know, the or the clouds to find out what you yourself truly truly feel or or like or want. And when you find that, it's hard to say no to people. Practice <laughs> practice in front of the mirror. Yeah. Look at yourself in the face and say, you know, as they would call me at home sometimes, Anto, Anto Nayen, you don't really like that, so don't do it. You don't need to do that for anybody else. You should be doing this for yourself. And that's what you need to do. You need to go to that place. And it's it's damn hard work. It's hard work because then you even get upset with yourself sometimes. But you need to just keep revisiting it and revisiting it and practice and practice and say, no, this is what I like. So even if you're shy, just think of the next person that's standing in front of you as just another person too. And trust me, they're probably just as nervous talking to you or, or wondering what your answer is going to be. Just even if it's a shy little whisper of, well, no, I don't really want to do that until you can just plain out say no without being offensive. Just practice it daily. Just practice. And seriously, the mirror thing works. Mm. I also heard this thing recently where it's like, even if you've committed to something, you can back out if it doesn't feel right. And uh, that even a yes can turn into a no and that that's okay if it's your truth. That's absolutely and Antoinette, I appreciate your wisdom, your vulnerability, and all you've shared with us today so much. And I, I pray to find my truthiness in the same way that you have uncovered it for yourself. And I know that it's, it's an ongoing journey for all of us, but you are an inspiration and we're so grateful to have had you on the Thrive Podcast today. I am grateful for your words. I thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. And you will. You've already found yourself. I just watched a little blurb on you today. <laughs> Sorry, girl. You're good. You're good. Ah, thank you. Thank you, right. Antoinette. All right. Have, um, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space, to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. Thrive.